0: Mm-hmm. And welcome to The Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Crawl, and you're listening to episode 71 of The Imagineer Podcast in today's episode i have the honor of sharing with all of you my interview with tony award winner james monroe Eigelhart. james has done so much within the world of disney and even more beyond the world of disney he's perhaps best known for being the original role of the genie in aladdin on broadway He's also, for the last few years, played the role of Thomas Jefferson and Marquis de Lafayette in Hamilton, an American musical on Broadway. He's also been in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Tangled the series, he's contributed to Marvel voices, including contributing a few comic issues of Spider-Man and Beyond, and he's done so much more, and will even be doing a new role this spring, which I'm happy to report that he does announce at the end of this episode. And at the end of the episode, I'll come back and tell you how you can connect with the Imagineer Podcast on all your favorite social media channels, and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer podcast. So my guest on the show today is somebody who has quite a resume, which certainly covers many things related to Disney, and himself is a huge Disney fan, so I am incredibly to have on the show with me today, James Monroe Egelhart Welcome to the show, James. Thank you very much, Matt. Glad to be here, Matt. Yeah, so glad to have you here. Um, like I said, you've, you've done so much. You, you know, you're a Tony Award winner. You have done so much with the world of Disney and then beyond the world of Disney. Uh, I'm glad that Hamilton is now going to be out as a Disney film in 2021 because we can officially talk about it. Um, yeah, I,
1: think it's, I think it's hysterical that of all the places I was talking to Lynn, I was like, hey, are you going to be to, like, is your character Hamilton going to be in like one of the Disney parades just walking into the street? He's like, we should talk about that. I think like, that'd be funny.
0: You know, they need they need to have a Hamilton parade in Liberty Square. Or... Seriously, really, totally. Yeah, it can make it happen. Um but I want to start by actually going back because you did um, – we're going to come full circle a little bit. You referenced in your uh, Tony Award acceptance speech the fact that you wanted to work for Disney since you were 10 years old. That's Where true. did that love of Disney stem from and what made you want to work from Disney at such a young age?
1: Um, I remember distinctly my father and mom taking me to the drive-in of all places, which no longer exists. Uh, The drive-in we go to uh, to see um, Jungle Book. And uh, I was mesmerized by the cartoon, by the songs, by Baloo the Bear. And I just was like, what is this? And then I remember distinctly my mom taking my brother and I, my mom and dad, taking my brother and I to Disneyland for the first time. And that place can be described in one word, magic. And from that moment on, i just wanted to be a part of disney and i remember my father bringing home this giant giant vcr you know back when vcrs was like humongous yeah and he had that and he we we got cable and the first cable channel we got was the disney channel now this is disney channel before all the they had no original content it was all just the content that they owned and Oh, my, I'm, I, we, my brother and I lived on that channel. We lived on that channel. It was great. So I've wanted to be a Disney, you know, performer since I was since I first saw Jungle Book.
0: Uh, that's amazing. I, <sighs> I am old enough to remember drive in movies. I was very young. Actually, my first drive in movie was going to see Casper. Um, not oh, a Disney film, but <laughs> yes, I did see good. that. <laughs> um, did you when you first went to Disneyland, did you have a favorite attraction from that first trip?
1: Uh, yeah, um, it, it, it scared. What's funny is it's my favorite attraction now, but back then when I was a kid, I, I had such a vivid imagination, so everything scared me to death. Um, the haunted mansion, the haunted mansion. Listening to Paul Freeze's voice, at when you walk in to you know to the to the mansion, just was. It, it transported me, but it also scared the living crap out of me. And I also felt <laughs> like I had to conquer it as a kid. So every time we went, I had to go to the Haunted Mansion. I knew it was going to freak me out, but I had to go. Now, as an adult, I have to go just because it's it's my favorite. And I've been to um, the Haunted Mansion uh, in, in three different parks, Disney World, Disneyland, and Disney Paris. But I remember as as, as a kid, hearing hearing that, you know, look alive. I was just like, what, what is that? And that, not, not knowing that that was also planting the seeds of me wanting to do voiceover stuff. I just knew that it was cool.
0: Yeah. I, Paul freeze is an amazing voice actor and the haunted mansion is probably his most iconic voice yeah, acting. Seriously. It's amazing. Amazing choice. I, funny enough, we, I just posted about this, yesterday on instagram the fact that uh, because somebody directly asked me was there anything that frightened you as a kid in the disney parks and i said i was strangely enough not scared of the haunted mansion i normally would have been as a kid because i was terrified of ghosts and supernatural things but i was more terrified for some reason of pirates of the caribbean
1: (laughs) you know my problem with pirates of the caribbean is i was fine as a child uh with the pirates i was fine with the you know the cannons going over my problem was every time we got to the fire part, at least in Disneyland. Oh yeah. Every time we got to the moment where I was like, I was like, I know this is fake, but what if this really could fall? (laughs) It is convincing. Everything everything doesn't look secure enough for me.
0: it's it's definitely convincing i grew up on the east coast so we went to disney world i didn't have that scene i was always afraid of the drop um yes pitch pitch black but yeah. uh yeah the first time i went to disneyland i was probably about 10 and uh i remember that scene and th- remembering how different it was from disney worlds and yeah it was very convincing the first time i was kind of ducking and trying to yeah yeah fade. exactly
1: <laughs> we're gonna fall we're gonna die
0: it's fine it's it's definitely uh definitely a convincing trick um, so uh, I know you grew up in the Bay Area and, yes. um, so you went to Cal State Hayward. Um, mm-hmm. what were some of your first roles prior to, um, I guess, moving to New York or was New York your um, first, re- first gig?
1: No, no, no. Um, I remember my, my first, my first major role, um, in, uh, in the Bay Area was in high school. I played, uh, you I played Charlie Brown and you're a good man, Charlie Brown. Nice. Which was always hysterical. Uh, and it was the first time I realized that kids don't notice race.
0: Yes. All true.
1: children just know the characters. So children who have never seen Charlie Brown, they came and the parents brought them to show. And they just I was Charlie Brown, which I thought was it like opened my eyes. I was like, oh, OK, this is a learned thing. <laughs> and then uh, when I got to college, um, I got to be some really fun shows. I got to be into the woods. I was Rapunzel's Prince. Um, I got to do. um asagai in um uh, raising the sun uh and then i i got to really have some fun in um i played jesus and jesus christ superstar and that was like controversial at the time because you know not many brothers were playing jesus they were all playing judas because you know they look you know people cast things the way they look in the movies right and so oh in the movies it's black guys so the black guys should play that part and my director was like actually I, I think your voice is better for jesus so at the time and then my senior thesis was on eight misbehaving and that, I, I loved it. What's funny is while I was in college, I was also doing shows outside. I was doing community theater just so I can audition for stuff. So I got to do The Plant. I got to do Audrey 2 at Little Shop of Horrors, which is still one of my favorites. And I got to do Guys and Dolls, which is a classic show, was still one of my favorites as well. So I got to do a few things in, in the Bay while I was in college, you know.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I. I... <laughs> It's true that, that race is definitely a, a learned thing, but I think the one show which we'll talk about that breaks that is Hamilton. Nobody questions, at least I haven't seen, I've never questioned who plays which role on stage.
1: No, <laughs> no. which is funny, but what, what I think is funny about uh, like that is, people, don't get me wrong, Hamilton is a great show, and Hamilton uh, did break you know barriers, but I think Disney doesn't get enough credit Disney theatrical doesn't get enough credit for actually being one of the biggest companies and first companies to really break the race barrier. People always go, oh, my gosh, you know, the multiculturalism in Hamilton. And that's because Hamilton tells people, look how multicultural we are, whereas Disney didn't say anything. They just did it. So. If you watch with it, you know, you watch the first the Meshack Taylor was the first Lumiere on Broadway and Beauty and the Beast. Nobody said a word because he just was the part uh, when they got to Little Mermaid. All her sisters were different colors. It just just was that was just it. And then we got to Aladdin. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's a great, that's actually a really great point. And um, we're going to we're going to talk about Aladdin in a second. And speaking of of that role, of course, you had to. Uh, you know, that took place in New York on Broadway. What was that transition like for you to move from the West Coast to New York City?
1: I moved from the West Coast to New York City in 2007 uh, with my first Broadway show, uh, 25th Annual Putnam Spelling Bee. And uh, <laughs> I'd always told myself, people were like, hey, you're going to go to New York? I was like, nah. <laughs> it snows. I, I don't like snow. I don't like snow. I my father used to try to take, you know, go up to Tahoe and like, we're gonna play in the snow, son. And my mom would be happy, my brother would be happy, and I'd be sitting there like, I hate all of this. It's <laughs> it's it's cold, people throw it at you. I see no point in living here. Right. So it literally took a Broadway show to bring me <laughs> to wow. <the> East Coast. <laughs> I was like, Ah, it's a job. I can't say no. <laughs> Have to go. Um, and I, I loved I ended up loving New York. I can't live there. I ended up loving New York. I live in Jersey. I live in Jersey I need more space, you know, I need a bigger apartment. Uh, but I came I came here and um, I remember thinking to myself, okay, I replaced. I one day I will be the top billing. On a show, I don't know how, but I know it will be there. And, and, and the trajectory to where it took me, and I auditioned for all the Disney shows. Man, I auditioned for all the Disney shows. I'm talking, you know, I was there for the Lion King. I literally, I, I auditioned for Lion King like I think six times. Oh my God! Seriously, just terrible, <laughs> terrible. Just trying my best. Please, they're like, no, you know, and I, they couldn't couldn't be seen for Tarzan because I was too big at the time. You know, <laughs> just trying to get Little Mermaid. I was like, I want to be Sebastian. They're like, no. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> So, but it was the door. I always tell actors, as say, "Hey, when a door closes on you, that doesn't—that mean, just means it's not your door." Don't say, "Oh, that was you took my role." No, you didn't take your role. That wasn't your role. And when the door opened for me to do the Disney show, it was my favorite character of all time. So it yeah. all worked out.
0: How did the uh, opportunity for Aladdin present itself?
1: funny story so um they were seeing all of the black dudes in new york except for me and i was mad (laughs) like i literally i tell the story all the time my wife and i my friend Derek baskin who is the tony nominated um actor from ain't too proud he played otis and we did memphis together and i also he's the one that helped me get the job of spelling bee so we've been best friends for years he's walking down the street and he's telling me about how they're asking him to audition for aladdin and i'm like why won't they see me i mean i I love the Genie is my favorite character besides Goofy, you know. So all of a sudden I get a call and I get a call only because Casey Nicola, our director, he was directing Book of Mormon at the time. And one of his actors, he, he asked his actors, hey, I'm looking for, a, I, I really want an African-American guy to play Genie. Who do you know? And my friend, John Eric Parker, uh who is a part of uh book of mormon and uh broadway inspirational voices uh he t- he said what about james winter iglehart and he was like who's that he's in memphis i'm in Mem- you know he should see him Casey case he saw memphis and he called me to audition and the rest is
0: history and what was that audition process like oh it was
1: nuts because um <laughs> i had a friend of mine i i kind of cheated i had a friend of mine who was playing the auditions and i said hey is anybody improv or doing anything different he was like actually no, people are pretty white bread. They're just kind of like just saying what's on the script. And I'm like, don't they know this movie? Don't they know who this man is? Right. So I I went home and I told my wife, I said, um, honey, I'm either going to they're to love me or they're going to hate me because I literally started rewriting the script and writing my own jokes. in. And so when I went into audition, <laughs> I'm also so naive. I didn't know who Casey Nicola was. I, I thought the guy behind the counter was the guy who was like just casting. Right. So I didn't realize it was him. So I walk in and I'm with the reader and I just start improvising. Matt, I just started making up crap and saying my own jokes. The poor reader had no idea where I was going. And at the end of it, I was like, well, you know, hopefully I get it. And Casey told me, he said, the minute you started doing that, I was like, I want this guy. If he's ballsy enough to come in here and start doing his own crap, that's the guy I want. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. I, I think if I remember correctly from what I've heard in a- other interviews, you also had to audition in front of Alan Mankin at some point.
1: Yes. <laughs> What's funny is the, like two months before I had auditioned in front of Alan Menken for a sister act and I bombed horribly. I mean, it was, oh, it was bad. Ugh. And uh, I, when I found that I was going to audition for the creative team, I told myself, I said, I want this role, but I also want to show the great Alan Mankin that I can sing, that I'm not terrible. So... I walk into the room and Casey, right before I walk in, he goes, just do exactly what you did for me at the first audition. And I walk in the room and it, we went from three people, and that is the pianist, Casey, casting director, to all of Disney. I mean, Thomas Schumacher was there. Mike Kazarian, Michael Kazarian was there, who is the musical director, and Alan Menken's musical director. Alan Menken was there. I mean, it was ridiculous, the amount of people that were in the room. And I just said, okay here we go. And I, and I told myself, I said, I am, I'm, this is my last shot. So I might as well have as much fun performing as I possibly can. And I just went for it, man. And when I, Alan always told me, he goes, the minute you started singing, I was like, that's the guy. And I was like, thank you. Thank you so much.
0: That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> when, yeah. And there's, there's some big numbers too from like me is probably the biggest one. Oh yeah. It's in there. Um, what, was it like to, or another way to phrase it is, how did you come up with the uh, the genie character on Broadway? Because it's not quite the same as the genie no. from the film. Um, so what sort of differences or creative liberties did you take in uh, coming up with the characterization of the genie on Broadway?
1: I think I, I am a huge fan of Robert Williams, and I'm a huge fan of stand-up comedy as a whole. So I have my Mount Rushmore of stand up comedy, you know, the comedians I love. Um, And I looked at what Robin did and I realized that Robin. It was himself, but he was genie esque It was like the best parts of Robin in this character. So I thought the best way to do this was one. I got I got I got help. Um, Jonathan Freeman, the original Jafar and also Jafar on Broadway. He told me a story, he said, you know the genie was always supposed to be black and i said what do you mean he said well if you the film it's based on you know the thief's baghdad it was a black genie and in the, the original music um alan Macon and um uh why am i he's oh okay he's gonna kill me howard ashman yeah. howard ashman uh, as i was like his wife his sister is gonna kill me yeah. howard ashman they originated they wanted the genie to be black like cab calloway fats waller and once i heard that I was like, oh, that gives me the freedom to kind of do some, I, that's terrible to say, some black things that right. Robin couldn't do. Right. And then I thought, the one thing that Robin did was he put himself into the character. And as a comedian, you don't wanna bite off other people's material. You don't wanna steal other people's material. So I said, well, I know what genie is what can i put myself in genie so all the silly things that i would do in the grocery store to my wife which i still do i said i will do on stage all of the dumb things i always think about doing in public i will do on stage how many times can i do this and uh that's kind of how it kind of how it happened i was like the best way to play genie is to put as much as yourself into it you know what the genie's objectives objectives are you know what he wants but if it's not you it won't come alive. And one of the things that made Jeannie come alive on screen was watching Robin come alive. And so I was like, cool, I will turn the volume up on myself to 12 and see what happens. And I just, that's what happened.
0: Yeah, it's it's it. It ended up like I said. I didn't see you in person, but I I feel like um I I have in in videos or just in promotional material, and of course then when I saw that on Broadway as well, and and it's just a great character. Even I can't remember who played the role after you, but everyone was
1: probably Major on, Attaway.
0: Yes, I think that was his name. Um, everybody was on their feet for Genie, and I can only imagine it would have been exactly the same with you. Um. And well, I he, told the boys yeah. the
1: same thing. I told all the genies. I was like, guys, listen, don't try to be me. I've built, I said, I've, I've, I've built the structure, but you got to put your heart and soul into it. You got to be what what's funny to you. Because if it's funny to you, somebody out there is going to think it's funny yeah so go with that you know
0: yeah absolutely um and i'm glad you brought up jonathan freeman because i was gonna ask because i know that he does do both uh jafar on broadway we did see him i actually to be fair didn't even um i didn't read the full playbill before it started and didn't realize he was it and i'm like man he just nailed the jafar laugh (laughs) (laughs) and then i found out oh it's it is him it's jonathan freeman um what was it like to actually work with him on broadway
1: it was okay. So the first time we were in Toronto, when, uh, sorry, we're in Seattle for the, yeah. uh, like the, you know, pilot production. And I hadn't met him yet. And so he sits down, he's next to me. So it's like, it's me, Aladdin, and like, no, it's Aladdin. Jonathan Freeman is two seats over. And he, <laughs> we're all sitting at a table. And he says, Life's not fair, Yago. And we were just, yeah! <laughs> We literally geeked out. I mean, literally geeked out. It was so. Oh, it was so good. And we we became friends and I began to like pick his brain about what was it like to record and what was it like to uh, put the show, put the movie together. And he was saying what was funny about it was because he was such a, he was such a, he was so isolated. He really didn't know what was happening. He just knew there were new songs, there were new words. So when he saw it all together, he was like, oh, this is what it is. But when we put the show together, he said, it's so fun to kind of be here so we can build this thing together and just but also the man's been on broadway with the producers and she loves me and so many things just to have that foundation of a legend of someone who knows what the hell they're doing in the show we would all go to him and go so we're, we're frustrated what should we do and he would like okay calm down this is what you do this is what like. he was he was such a calming kind of presence right <laughs> and then which helped me which he always laughs he goes you know at the beginning it was me and then you kinda of took over as the leader and he goes, and I said, Well, I learned he goes, Well, yeah, but he goes, I watched you do it, and I just kinda of stepped back and let let James do it. And it was kind of fun because I didn't even realize it was happening. I was like, you know, I would take what he said and tell people like, Hey, calm down, we got this. You should relax, we got the show. So it was he working with him was so much fun. And we still call each other, he's still so funny. Cause he thinks he's not a star. He's like, Oh, no one knows who I am. I'm like, the whole world knows who you are. Least I, I do, yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, and even if they don't, they're going to be impressed with his performance of Jafar.
1: <laughs> Thank you. And what's funny is that happens all the time. People will go, "Oh my god, he sounds just like the guy." We're like, yeah. "No, no, he is the guy." <laughs> and I tell people, I said, "Let me put it in perspective for you. Any Jafar spoken in English is Jonathan Freeman." So it says, matter of a video game, the game you play at the park with the little cards game. If you hear it on a, if you hear it on a board game, if you hear it in the on the store. Any English-speaking version of Jafar is him. Now that is a legacy. That's um, since 1989. That man has been Jafar. It is ridiculous.
0: It's amazing. That's commitment. That's commitment to a role. Um, I don't think any other yeah. character has done, or any other uh, actor has done that for Disney.
1: There's no. There's an actor. There's actors who've played the cart. Like um, Samuel E. Wright was. Sebastian. Right. And he was Mufasa on Broadway. But there's been no other actor besides Jonathan Freeman, who has played the role in the cartoon and on stage and in every other facet of that character.
0: Yeah. He's the only one. Amazing. And it it creates an authentic voice every time you hear it. It's exactly the same. Um, So, of course, this was, uh, you know, your first Tony Award. Um, so what was it like to receive that? How did you feel in that moment? Was it expected or was it something that was out of the blue? Like, how? what was that moment like for you?
1: It was out of the blue and also expected. And what I mean by <laughs> that is um, Disney shows, with the exception of Lion King, Yeah. Disney shows don't really get recognized by, by the Tonys. You know, they, they they want them on the show because they're popular and they can, you know, bring in ratings. But they don't really get recognized. And Broadway uh, looks at Disney in a, in a weird way. They kind of go, um, yeah, you're here and you're great and all. But, you know, real theater is over here. This you, What you do is for families and the tourists. And what they don't realize when they see a Disney show, Disney shows are amazing. Yeah. I mean, from top to bottom, they are the most, you know... Crime de la Crime of Broadway period you know so for we you know they, they put they, they put class into the shows all the time so I I just assumed said, so well you know if we get nominated if we I didn't think I'd get nominated I was like if we get nominated great beautiful I'm, I'm just happy to be doing genius and of course you know in my head I was like of course I would love to be nominated right but I'm in a Disney show it's probably not gonna happen so when the show got nominated and I got nominated, I cried. I mean, I lost it. I was like, this can't be happening. So I just assumed they were nominating me because, you know, I did eight minutes of friend like me. So they were like, wow, that's amazing. Great. Okay, we'll get we'll at least give them the nomination. So I didn't write a speech. (laughs) I didn't do anything. I was like, we're gonna go. And I was so excited just to go to the Tony's because I've always wanted to Be able to sit there and watch the Tonys. Right. Because when I did it, when I went to the Tony Awards with Memphis, we got in the bus, we went to the theater, we performed, we got back in the bus, we're back to our theater. We didn't get to sit down. I was like, I get to sit down. This is gonna be great, man. I get to the Tonys. I'll go for the red carpet. I, I as I'm about to sit down, they grab me, take me and we have to put on the makeup perform i take off the makeup off sit down i win i can't believe it i say my speech but they take me off again i didn't get to watch the tonys at all i get to watch it (laughs) like i normally do at home on dvr it was crazy but it was also the most ridiculous moment when they called my name i looked at my wife and i was like are you serious (laughs) and to win for the genie a character i have loved since i was 17 a character that I would go to Disneyland and watch the and the Aladdin spectacular. I watched it 14 times, in over the years, and to be able to play the role and then win a Tony for it, it was oh, it was so cool. It was so cool. It was like one of the coolest moments of my life.
0: Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I think that's really as a dis you know, like you said, as a Disney fan and as a performer, it's the best combination. Um, yeah, in winning a, an award like that, and uh, so a few years later, then you. Uh, you know, it was almost it looked like about the same time that you switched from uh, Aladdin to Hamilton and I know that you took on kind of like we talked about earlier uh, David Diggs' role of Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson Um, how did this opportunity come about?
1: So uh, Aladdin and Hamilton with my life have kind of been parallel Yeah. so I had just come back from doing it in seattle and uh my friend lynn called and said hey i got this new you know i told you about this new show i used to go over to the theater in the heights all the time he's like i'm writing this new thing called hamilton it's going to be a mixtape it's not even a show it's going to be just a mixtape with rappers rapping i'm like cool sounds fun <laughs> and he says look dude we're doing this concert at lincoln center you want to be down he goes it's all the brothers from freestyle love supreme so i'm in a group called freestyle love supreme which is Chris Jackson, David Diggs, myself, Udkarsh, uh, Shockwave, all the you know, all the guys he like, built the show with. So he was like, yeah, I got this role for you. It's based on like Busta Rhymes, but it's uh, Hercules Mulligan. I said, cool. He goes, so you and I are going to do this song called My Shot. So there's Chris Jackson, myself, um, Karen Olivo, uh, Rebecca Naomi Jones, Mandy Gonzalez, Udkarsh, John Rua, like this cool, amazing group of people, right? And uh, I ended up doing... Hercules Mulligan at Lincoln Center, Lincoln Center. So half the show was Lynn's um, influences, like Biggie Smalls, as well as Big Pun, as well as the, um, oh, I can't think of the uh, uh, Far Side, all these different rappers. And then half the rest of the show was these new seven songs from this brand new project that Lynn has called Hamilton. So we do my shot. Little did I know, but in the audience was Casey Nicola from Aladdin. As I'm leaving the show, the show's a hit, by the way. I mean, we are killing it. Gavin Creole has played the king. I mean, it was nuts. You look at the cast back then, you're like, wow. So kill it, done. Everybody knows Hamilton's about to be this next big thing. Lynn just has to finish writing it. So (laughs) I walk out of Lincoln Center, and Casey's there, and he goes, by the way, great job tonight. Um, I'm going to be calling you because Aladdin's got some big things happening. And I was like, oh, cool. So I've just finished doing Hamilton. An hour later, Casey calls Wow. The next day, Casey calls and says, "We have to do a 30-minute demo for Bob Iger. He's coming to town. We have to do this demo." So we do the demo. Everything's great. They greenlit Ham. They greenlit Aladdin to go to, to you know, to another place. I get a call from Tommy the week afterwards saying, "Hey, we're taking Hamilton to this little place up in, you know, whatever Pudunk, whatever, and we're going to do a reading of it. Can you go?" And I go. I can't. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna ride this Aladdin thing out. He goes, you know what? I just wanted to give you a chance to say yes or no. We'd love to have you, but I totally understand this Aladdin thing could probably be big. Why don't you go do that? And you never know what could happen. I go do Aladdin. Hamilton becomes the biggest thing in the world. Right after I win the to Tony, I'm at opening night with my friends because I'm so happy for them. They're killing it. I'm killing it. Everything's going well uh david diggs finds out about uh hamilton where well, all of us are in um freestyle of Supremes in new orleans for the super bowl rapping and tommy tells him about the role so that's how he finds out all of a sudden three years later i get a call from tommy he goes yo um you want to come back to the ham fam and i was like well yeah i'd love to but <laughs> i said i don't really want to do you know Hercules mulligan you know no 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 no, no disrespect to mulligan but after doing the genie he's like no, no 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 i want you to come back as lafayette jefferson and i was like You're insane. That's not going to (laughs) happen. I said, I love that. I've rapped with David for years, and I'm a good rapper. This fool is one of the fastest rappers I've ever heard in my life. I was like, I'm not doing this. So David calls. and goes, James, man, when you going to do this, man? I'm like, dude, I can't do your role. So we go out to dinner, and David convinces me. He's like, you can do it. He goes, it's a different – he goes, they want your style. That's the thing. They don't want you to be me. They want you to be you, and they know you can do it. So, but, But here's the thing. Friends are friends, business is business. So I still have to audition. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so I, you know, I know. I, in the room are all my friends: Lynn, Tommy, Lackamore. I'm like, this is really weird. <laughs> so I, I rap, I leave it, and I get a call. He was like, "Yeah, man, we want you. We want you to do it." So that's how it ended up happening.
0: That's amazing. I, we, um, so like I said to you earlier, like my wife and I saw you on Broadway as that in that role. My wife is, I love Hamilton. My wife is obsessed with hamilton we'll be in the car and she'll we'll have a long drive ahead of us she's like we're just gonna play the entire thing from start to finish in the <laughs> right. car and right. she knows every single word um but uh, we thought that uh you know listening back to it david um was uh the like an incredible lafayette and you are an incredible jefferson both great Thank in both you. roles but we felt like Um, you brought a little bit more to Jefferson. He brought a little bit more to Lafayette. Yeah. Um, But one of the things that I think is really difficult when we talk about how fast David raps, I have to make sure I have the numbers right. I have to write it down. So in Guns and Ships, there's 233 words in 43 seconds, which is over five words a second. How do you do that?
1: (laughs) Uh, You know, as long as you don't think about it, it makes it so much easier. The minute you put the figures on it, you go, I can't do (laughs) that. So basically, I, I... the one thing i will say what helped was also being genie i talked so fast as genie (laughs) by the time i got to hamilton i was like i could do this i could do this the hard part was rapping with a french accent that was the hard part the hard part was trying to put the accent on and be understood yeah you know that's that's the thing is like can you say all those words with the accent and still be coherent so that was the hardest part of it. But uh, you know, it was just practice. I literally was on I was on my ferry boat, rapping to myself quietly, hopefully not disturbing people. You know, I'm taking this off the rain, taking it because you know, you know, never gonna stop us, never gonna just doing all that bulk, you know, trying not to kill myself.
0: But it was fun. Yeah, absolutely. As a fan or as a performer, do you have a favorite song from Hamilton?
1: Actually, yeah, um, I really love Washington on your side. It's one of my oh, favorite things to sing. I think it's because the guys that I've gotten to perform that song with are so good. And there's moment. There's a moment in this in the moment the show where um, we say, you know, uh, Hamilton's misdeeds. It might be nice. It might be nice. At that moment I am I am turning and like the speakers come right at me and I can hear our harmony and we sound so good. It's it's like yes, this is sweet. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. So um I love performing that song and I've gotten to perform that song with Brandon Victor Dixon, who was Tony nominated, um Daniel Breaker, Tony nominated, um JQ Johnson, young uh, artist who's amazing, um Wallace Smith, one of the most solid best uh Brothers on Broadway, and then uh, Fergie Phillips, who's ridiculous. He's our new Mulligan. So I've gotten to do that part with many, many guys, and um, it just sounds good every time. It sounds good every single time.
0: Yeah, uh, it's a it's a fun, incredible song um, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought you were. Uh, so good at the cabinet battle too um, especially number Thank one you. like we just were roaring in laughter
1: <laughs> well I, I asked I, I, I remember asking Tommy I said well one um, you know David's kind of a tenor I said I'm a baritone I said can I put some bass into this as far as my voice is concerned he was like yes I said also you know that David and I are very different performers I have no problem being big and flashy and can I do that And he was like go where you want to go and he's, I'll pull you back. He goes, You go far, I'll pull you back. And I was like, You can't give me a coat like that and me not swirl it around and do stuff. So no, I couldn't help myself.
0: Yeah, it was, it was so much fun. Um, and you, of course, mentioned Lynn, who you know well and who you work with. What is it like working with him? I feel like he's become this mega celebrity just based on Hamilton he and has, everything else he's done. But what's like. He has, but
1: he's, it, I will say he's become a mega celebrity. Lin-Manuel, the name, has become a mega-celebrity. Lin-Manuel, the person, is the same guy. He's uh, still a humble, wonderful guy who really just loves – he's a big nerd. He loves writing. He loves creating music. He loves creating stories. He He's still the same guy who just wanted to write a good musical. And it's kind of fun to watch him create. And it was, kind of, it was fun to work with him because he was still working it out. When we first started, he was still working it out. When I finally got in the show, the show was built and everything. And he literally told me, he said, dude, man, just be you. So just just do you just do what we do what we've known you can do for the past, you know, 11 years. Just go ahead. And so he was always cool with it.
0: That's awesome. And he seems like a very humble guy, too, in addition to, he is. you know, with his fame. It's just um, he seems like the same person he always has been, just at least on yeah. TV. I don't know him personally. Yeah,
1: no, he's, not, he's even quieter off TV. Which oh, is wow. <laughs> um, so then in
0: 2017, you joined uh, Tangled the Series. I had not watched the show on Disney Channel, and then it went on Disney Plus, and especially knowing that I was going to talk to you, I at least watched a few episodes. So I know that you play uh, Lance Strongbow, who is uh, Eugene's friend um, from back in the old thieving days and is now yes. back and, you know, with the whole group. And uh, what I think is remarkable about the series is that they talking about earlier with authenticity, they brought back uh, Mandy Moore and uh, Zachary Levi to reprise their roles. Um, Do you get to work with them at all? And if so, what's it like? Uh,
1: Yeah, um, I got to I got to be in the studio with Zach one time. Uh, They never let us do that again uh, because Zach is crazy and so am I. (laughs) so it takes up too much time uh we riff off each other we talk too much crap they were like yeah no never again Uh, (laughs) uh but it's been it's been a lot of fun um i've always wanted to be a disney character i've always wanted to be a disney character on a cartoon and chris sonnenberg our amazing executive producer who is the creator of the tangled series came to see aladdin he tells me the story all the time because he wants to let me know that it's his I'm, i I owe him everything right <laughs> <laughs> he said he saw me and went that we have to write a character for him and they wrote Lance was never supposed to be in the show Wow there was no there was no character for Lance they came and saw the show and he created Lance for for me and, be, and Lance was the best friend that you know Eugene never Eugene had from when they were growing up. And it was so much fun to be able to embody and create this guy who is huge, but also afraid of spiders, but yep. loves to eat yep. and really just wants to relax and be rich. And I was like, I kind of can understand. That. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not afraid of spiders, but I do understand that, that the food part I get. <laughs> so it's kind of fun, to And also Eden Espinosa I've known for a while and Jeremy Jordan. I've never met Mandy Moore. In person we've met on twitter we've met i'm pretty sure we'll meet someday um but we've been it's been so much fun to be able to work with her because she's always been so cool but uh i i get to see zach uh, a few times a year and he's awesome and eden is wonderful and jeremy is one of the best performers i've ever seen and we've become friends because we're disney cousins because he was in newsies and i was in aladdin um but to be a part of that show and see what they've done with it the story itself is so cool i had to give it to chris he had this story a three season story arc at the beginning he knew what he wanted to do he knew what he wanted to do and that's why he got in and got out three seasons boom, boom boom this was the story and it was between when they left corona ended and right after they end our show that's the next dvd of when they get married the ever after story i was like this is brilliant how did you do this so it was great <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. The perfect place is situated, and I didn't think I would get hooked on it. But I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna keep watching these episodes and go a little further.
1: <laughs> when you, the crazy part is, when you get to season two, that's when things start to get like season one. He's establishing the world. He's establishing characters. They're trying things. Season two is when the story gets mad streamlined, and that's when all the adults I know. <laughs> me, I'm watching Tango, I have to know what's going on <laughs> it's, it's that kid. the kids were like this is great they're all like get out of the way I gotta watch whatever <laughs> <laughs> they, they, that season two is season three and season three is just intense season three just ended last week and it's just an intense ride until the end and it's so much fun
0: yeah I am gonna continue watching I skipped ahead to season two um skipped a few episodes in the back half again just to research purposes for our discussion but i want to go back and, and continue continue watching um now those two things uh are very different voice acting in a recording booth performing on stage for those who are interested in this field um what can you describe as some of the the differences or which do you prefer? like what's the, the I, 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 what's
1: two? funny is I, I love them both. I love an audience. It's one of my favorite things to do is to make an audience laugh or you know entertain them. I love that. But the great thing about being in a vo- doing a voice voice work is um, anything's possible. anything's possible. I mean, Lance has fallen off of 15,000 cliffs and somehow survived. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So it's great. Um, I've been turned into his, but he's been turned into a bird. He's, he's, he's had, he's literally had like, you know, mind trips and no, I was fine. You know what I mean? So I think it's really about if you, if the voice acting is acting. It's not just doing funny voices. It's right. actually acting. So Lance is a character that I have to portray. I just don't have anybody watching me except for, well, it's not true. I have the director and the voice director watching me, but, it's really just about getting into the character and embodying what would happen you're doing the exact same thing you would do on stage or on tv it's just your voice and it makes it a little bit more um intimate because you have to convey those emotions in your voice they'll draw it but you have to put it in there to give them something to work with yeah and i i, I love animation i've gotten the privilege to do a many not many but a few a few cartoons and it's When I was a kid, the one thing I wanted to do was be on stage, and I wanted to be a cartoon character. And I've gotten to do a few now. And I also I remember seeing Little Mermaid for the first time. I think when I was about maybe fifteen, maybe fourteen, something like that. Alan Menken writes the music um, for um, for Tangled, and he and um, he wrote a song uh, for us. Slater is the other one, he writes the lyrics. Uh, they, wrote, they wrote songs for Mandy. And then they told me, hey, we have a song for you and um, for Zach, and we got to do this duet. Hold on, I'm, I'm looking for something, uh, keep up. But um, I couldn't believe that we got to do this. Glenn Slater, Glenn Slater wrote the lyrics. Got it. And we this duet that we got to do, I was like, oh my God, this is an original tune. Me and Zach get to sing the song called Buddy, so that's great, right? Awesome. Then they tell me, by the way, um, we got to, we're going to be recording a song. I'm like, yeah, I just recorded it. They're like, no, no, another song. I'm like, I recorded the song. They're like, no, no, James, we have another song. It's a solo. I was like, what? And <laughs> like, yeah, Alan and Glenn wrote a solo for you. Wow. Called bigger called bigger than that. First of all, that alone was nuts. Yeah. Two, when I got to hear what it was about, it's about you know facing your fears. And, you know, just, you know, being strong, you're bigger than that. Then I had people who, when, I, when they saw it, tell me that they listened to that song to get over like fears. Then when I saw it on, on TV, I came home one night after Hamilton, I have a big screen TV, I'm sitting there and I'm watching it. And I just started crying uncontrollably because I couldn't, I couldn't believe that this dream I had when I was a kid, there was. There's this uh, eight time Oscar award winner, this amazing multi, you know, award winning lyricist wrote this song and the character looks like me and I'm sitting there and I'm watching it. This The 13 year old in me, just the kid, the kid who first watched Jungle Book yeah. and heard the song Bear Necessities and then saw this. I was like, I, it happened, you know, I it's still one of the coolest things, man. It, it, it's hard to put in the words.
0: I in the words. I can tell. It's I can. I can only imagine too. If because I grew up loving the same exact thing, so I do not have a singing voice. But if I did. <laughs> <laughs> or, if, or if I guess the equivalent would be if, if uh, you know, they came up with a, a character for me to be in the movie, then that would be different. Yeah. Um, yes. But that would be, uh, I would probably be in tears on on the sofa as well, uh, watching watching myself back or maybe I'd be too afraid to. Um, no, what's funny is my wife was taping me, I didn't know she was taping me and I am oh. like, what are you doing? She was like, I just want to make sure I, I got it. And I was like, I'm just losing it. Yeah. Oh, my wife would be doing the same exact thing. <laughs> She'd be filming the whole thing. Um, <laughs> What is, so I, I actually forgot to even put this in here, but you also had um, a, a bit of a stint with Kimmy Schmidt. Um, yes. How did, it, yes. Was just, it was just totally different. That's, you know, TV, Netflix. So how did that come about?
1: <laughs> Tina Fe came to see Aladdin. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> she was at night And I guess she was like, we should bring him in for something. <laughs> um, and I got the audition and I went in with other people there. And I read it, and I, and what's funny is, you know, I, I saw how. I'm going to say this in a try to, in a strategic way. Yeah. I saw how everybody else was reading it, and I knew what kind of character he was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm not going to go that far. Let me see how much of a how how much of an ass I can be <laughs> without, you know, you know, without you know being you know shrewd either.
0: Right.
1: So I did it, and I said they're probably not going to pick me. They picked me and then I see Titus and Titus says, you know, she kind of wrote this character for you. She saw it. She was hoping you would do it well, but she kind of wrote it around you. She thought it'd be funny to see the two of us go at it. And I was like, thank you, man. And we had a ball. I mean, I've only done four episodes but four seasons, one episode a season. And I was always doing something utterly stupid. And I loved (laughs) every second of it. (laughs) My favorite one besides, you know, the first one. Yeah. I loved being the cat. I was, I was doing this one-man show yeah and it's just something about doing it and what's funny is there's a moment in the show if people don't notice I'm doing a one-man show and after I do something stupid the one person who's there gets up and walks out It yeah. is the best is the best you just see this one person get up and walk it's the best <laughs> when I saw it I was like this has nothing to do with me that is just a funny joke it's a funny joke
0: that's it's it's a hilarious show to begin with um yeah oh my god it's so good i'm I'm so happy to be a part of that show yeah uh it's so much fun uh so the one thing we haven't talked about uh, well one thing we haven't talked about yet that uh, covers disney fandom that i know you're a huge fan of is marvel um where did your marvel fandom come from
1: I am a huge DC fan. I am a Batman fan in my soul. I have Batman on my I have Batman, a tattoo on my arm, but my, uh, I can't even call him a best friend. He's like my big brother. I've known him since I was 14, year, 13 years old. And I, t- when we first met, his name is John Long. John said, you like DC comics? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you read Marvel? I like, nah, man, Spider-Man, that's it, I'll need that. He's like, first of all, you don't know what you're talking about, shut up. <laughs> and he basically schooled me on Marvel so I kind of grew up with him teaching me about Marvel. So I've always loved, you know, I, I began to love the Marvel characters as well. Uh, Hulk, Doctor Strange, uh, Doctor Voodoo, uh, Beast from the X-Men were always been my favorites. And then, um, then the movies came out. And then I, you know, wanted to, I knew I wanted to dabble in it. And what happened was, John and I had a friend named Ryan who works at Marvel. He is Agent M, if you look for him on Instagram or Twitter. Right. And he's the co-host of so many of the podcasts on Marvel. And we became friends because of um, professional wrestling. Because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> we're both big professional wrestling fans. And he said, yo, man, you want to do this podcast with me? I was like, yes! I a podcast <laughs> I'm like, Marvel, of course, yes, why not? So when he's doing that, uh, I get a call from some of the Marvel people telling me that Dan Slott, the guy who literally is known for killing Spider-Man <laughs> in the comic book, there's a quick nerd moment. There's a moment where uh, Dr. Octopus takes over Spider-Man's body. Everybody thinks he's dead and Spider-Man's gone. Yep. It's called Superior Spider-Man. Read it. It's an awesome, awesome mm-hmm. track. So Dan Slott comes to Hamilton and I say, look, man, I've always wanted to really write comics. He said, really, you, uh, let me get you in touch with some of the guys. So he gets me in touch with the... um uh, a couple of brothers from uh, the editors of X-Men, Jordan White and Chris Robinson. And we have we have a uh, a little brunch, lunch type thing. And they say, hey, man, we have this comic uh, called Marvel Presents and it's different writers. we like you to write it. I said, we like you to write one of the stories. I said, great. And usually the editors, you know, I, I came in, you know, my bravado with my only idea of who I wanted to write about and who I wanted to work with. <laughs> and I didn't realize that in comic books, the editors pick the writers and give you, they say, hey, here's the story. What's to write this character? Right. And they said, hey, James, how, what would you think about writing Spider-Man? I was like, huh? Spider-Man. <laughs> They're like, are you okay with that? I'm like, well, see, let me, let me explain. <laughs> um, the people that I've always wanted to write for were Batman yep. and Spider-Man. And you're starting me off on Peter Parker. And my brain said, I don't give a damn what you think, Matt. Say yes. Yes, we're afraid. Yes, we're scared. Yes, that we know that we may fail, but you do not say no to writing Spider-Man. So I said yes, and then they liked my story, and you know, I've gotten to write a few. Uh, Marvel 1000, 80 writers, 80 artists. I got to be one of the writers. I got to write Rocket and Groot. Uh, just uh, February 19th of last month, uh, Marvel Voices came out, and I got to write my own original story. So that was fun. So I've, I've had some, some really fun, I've had some fun times with Marvel and I hope to continue our relationship.
0: Yeah, I, that's uh, incredible. I, um, I haven't picked up those issues, I have to, but uh, it, it, that's gotta be incredible just to have that opportunity as a Marvel fan to, to write for Marvel.
1: Well, to go into, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I moved to uh, New York in 2007.
0: Yeah. And there,
1: I haven't done it in a while, but th- for a while it was like every week I was at Midtown Comics on forty forty first, 41st I was there I mean 40th every day I was always there every week to get my stuff and um to be able to walk in and buy a comic with your name on it I was like <laughs> and to walk in three times and do it and guy, like, hey, you want you you another one I was like yes I did I want another one you know it was great
0: that's amazing <laughs> um and uh, I've also heard that, uh, which you brought up to me, um, I didn't even realize that you were going to be in Ducktales.
1: Yes. So uh, I can't say everything that happened, but of course. Um, be, being a part of the Disney family, I get especially now that I got part of Tangled. I was able to audition for a few other cartoons, and there was one particular cartoon I auditioned for and uh, didn't get the role. But uh, the Disney folks said, hey, we really liked what you did and you seem so enthusiastic and you really love this property. We have this character that we think you might be good for. Would you come in and read for it? And I read for it. And next thing I know, they were like, yeah, we want you to be in DuckTales. I was like, what? And and my brain, first of all, I was already a DuckTales fan because I'm a 90s kid. Second of all, when the new Ducktales came out, I started watching it, and I won't lie—I started watching it so I could be mad at it because yeah. were, like, we're not going to get the we're not going to get the original voices. We're going to get new people. I'm like, let <laughs> me watch this and see how bad it is. And it was fantastic. I was so mad. I was mad at myself because <laughs> I was mad at myself for how good it was. And then when they asked me to be a part of it, I was like, "Oh heck yeah, I got to be a part of this." And I had so much fun. I had uh, some a few sessions with them, and there was one particular session I. I won't say anything details, but I walked out and again, I have a, obviously I'm a crier I have I have major tear issues, but I got to say this one line and I was like, this is so this is so surreal.' I remember being a kid? you know I remember being a kid watching the show and like losing my mind, so it was fun,
0: yeah, you're kind of living your your childhood as an adult and it's getting paid for that yeah. yes <laughs> yes, yes. like all the like I will say, like, you
1: know, I stayed I I won't lie if I say other performers know, stay focused on what you really, really want. If this is what you really want, go for that. And I knew that I wanted to be um, a cartoon voice. I knew I wanted to be a Disney cartoon voice. And, um, you know, my big dream is to also, you know, do one of the Marvel superheroes or one of the DC superheroes. But to be in a a Disney cartoon and to be in two of them now is. the kid in me that went to Disneyland is like tripping out
0: yeah no kidding um, well that's amazing I'm very excited to see exactly what you're doing with that um, well April
1: April 4th uh, the season 3 of DuckTales comes on Disney Plus so everything will start then you should check it out
0: perfect this episode will be out by then so that's excellent timing um, so uh, just to before we I have a uh, one question I definitely want to ask as far as uh, advice for for other people who want to be in performing but um take a break to geek out a little bit. I think I know the answer to some of these questions, but uh, I ask a lot of guests these questions, and I think it's just appropriate as a, someone who's a Disney fan to ask. Uh, so the first one is, what's your favorite Disney movie? Oh, that's hard. I know. Oh, it's one so of the hard. hardest it's questions so, I ask. I'm not ah, going to ask a character, surprisingly, but I already got you it said Goofy and Genie, so that Goofy, would have been a Goofy good question Genie. to ask.
1: Um, <laughs> okay, so I have to bring it up. I have to bring it up. I'm cheating. Bring Go, it up do it. animation. Animation and movies. Yep. So um, I am going to forego the Marvel films. That's that's not right. I'm going to go old school, like Disney, Disney. Right. Um, As far as movies are concerned, I have a love for two very obscure Disney movies. Excellent. They are Jim Dale starring in Hot Lead and Cold Feet, Tim Don Knotts, and he plays three different characters. It is one of my favorite films. I grew up with it. it it's, it's about two brothers, the Bloodshy brothers, um, who come to town. One come, one is from the town. He's a cowboy. The other one is an Englishman. And their their father wants them to fight over who gets the town because the father's supposed to be dead. He's not. And Jim Dale plays all three characters. It's how I became a big fan of Jim Dale. And then also Jim Dale is also in Pete's Dragon. He plays the doctor villain. So that. But the other one is... Um, <laughs> Another obscure film that is terrible, but I can't help and love it. Condor Man.
0: Interesting.
1: Starring Michael Crawford, who is the original Phantom of the Opera. It was a superhero film that did awful, but it's one of my favorites. I grew up with it. My brother and I love it. But as far as like Disney films, films, not cartoons, not Pixar, like films, live action. As far as cartoons are concerned. This is really hard for me yes. because I love Jungle Book will always be like the standard because that's what I that's what's introduced me to it. But Robin Hood and Alice in Wonderland are I know them by heart. It's, it's sad. It's my wife. and I, We have we have sayings in my house that come from Alice in Wonderland and from Robin Hood that my wife is I've said them so much that now she says them. So. <laughs> You know, because I have to break it up into, you know, timelines, you know, because, right. of course, I love Aladdin. Of course, I love Beauty and the Beast. You know, I love Pixar films. I love, the, you know, The Incredibles, that kind of stuff. But when I think about, like, the ones that I can, like, watch any time, any place, usually Alice in Wonderland, Robin Hood, my wife and I are like, my wife's like, stop watching this. Get a life. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah no those are great great choices um i have not seen either one of those live actions but i have them written down and uh, i have to go see them. they are
1: the what's funny is my dream was always to redo condor man because it's it's so it's so good and so you ever see those films that are so bad they're so good yes. it's one of those it's, it's that it's so bad it's so good whereas with hot lead and cold feet um it was definitely a time in it's it looks like um adventure in Disneyland, you know, or, or Frontierland right, right. in Disneyland. You know what I mean? It's that type of thing. Um, it's the Old West. It's so classic, you know, Disney 1970s movies. Uh, but it's it's fun to me, and I, I in my head I want to redo it.
0: Yeah. You set me up for Marvel um, from the uh, MCU. What's your favorite film? If you don't have a favorite, which of the uh, I guess categories of, uh, of films in the MCU, like the Captain America films or the Iron Man films, are uh, are your favorite?
1: My what's funny is uh, my the, the when it all came out, I thought Avengers was the greatest thing ever. Right, and I love Avengers will always have a high place in my in my in my uh, in my opinion. But my favorite two Marvel films are uh, Doctor Strange and Winter Soldier. Great, truth. Winter Soldier is so good if you took winter soldier is good because it's just good but if you took captain america out of it and you took just a regular character and just put him in that film would still be fantastic it is still the film that an action film that make you go i have to watch this again you would want a sequel to winter soldier if it wasn't a marvel film um it took you out of the superhero thing and just put you in a damn good action film. And it just kept turning and you were just like, oh, it just got, it just got better and better. So when you finally got to Civil War, you were like, this is awesome. <laughs> you know, but... <laughs> <laughs> and I never, ever was a Captain America fan. I, was, I wasn't a Captain America fan until I literally got to the movies. Like Cap Cap was like Superman to me. I love Superman, but I was like, yeah, whatever, man. You yeah. can do anything. You know, Batman was always my dude. So to see Winter Soldier, I was like, this is the film. But I have always had an affinity with magic. And Doctor Strange's film was so good. Also, I love, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch. I was like, this is great. ridiculous. So I, I said, cool. I, I have to see what they do with the next one. Um, but those, those are the two films that stand out for me. I mean, the others, you know, honorable mentions, of course, Black Panther, you know, that, that just, I was, I, I sat movie. back and just like, Ugh, it was, I have some issues with Black Panther, but I won't talk about that now. We don't want you know. yeah. <laughs> and, and but of course, you know, the end game is that that's, that's the way you end 20 years. Yeah. That's you end 20 years. But those, those two films are, are the ones I go to. If I'm, if winter soldiers on, I'm watching So, you, know, you know, when you're watching, um, TBS or, uh, something and Shawshank Redemption is on and you're like oh I'm I gonna watch this. watch this yeah <laughs> I'm just gonna watch it <laughs> it's like for, like if Winter Soldier's on I'm like yeah I'm guessing I'm like
0: you know yeah I've, I've actually turned it on and just continue watching the whole thing yeah it's, it's like it's halfway
1: through and you're like yeah I, I can start
0: yeah <laughs> yeah it's an amazing film both both films are incredible um You've said you said that you went to already from um, earlier Disneyland, Disney World and Disneyland Paris from those parks. Um, sounds like Mansion mentions your favorite attraction. Do you yes. have a favorite park that you've been to? And that includes, I guess, Disneyland versus Magic Kingdom versus Disneyland Paris. If we're going that way. Hard question. I know it, it,
1: <laughs> it's hard. It's hard because okay, I'll break it. I'll, like I said, I'll cheat. Do it. My yeah. favorite. My favorite Magic Kingdom. Anaheim, always. It's the first, it's the biggest, it's the best to me. But, but, there is something about um, Epcot. There is something about um, Animal Kingdom, mm-hmm. Disney World. Oh, and also Disney Hollywood. is. Disney Hollywood has tower of terror. Yep. Disney Hollywood has the rocking roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And there was something about flying at 100 miles an hour going upside down listening to Aerosmith sing Sweet Emotion that just makes your day. It does. It, <laughs> it does. You know, I mean, Disney World has I mean, it's <laughs> the Magic Kingdom over there in Dis- Anaheim, yes. Yes. But Disney World oh uh, there's so many cool things like my favorite hotel is the contemporary yeah so and that's in florida <laughs> but don't get me wrong my favorite uh, my favorite um space mountain ride is disney paris disney paris is space mountain intense and disney pa- and disney paris also has until until they build it disney paris also has remy Disney Paris also has an amazing Indiana Jones ride that is more like Indiana Jones Temple of Doom. That's right. You are inside of the carts, so I, each one has its own thing, and that is just that I love that I would have. That I have to go back to each one just to see.
0: So. Have you had the chance to do Galaxy's Edge yet in either coast? I've done Galaxy's Edge in both coasts, but I have not done Rise of
1: the uh, Rise of the Empire yet.
0: Yeah, I think that one is probably going to inch up on your list. (laughs) Oh, uh,
1: yeah. yeah, (laughs) Trust me. My friends have called. I've had friends call me and go, I don't know what you're doing with your life. If you don't ride Rise of the Resistance, you haven't lived. I'm like, "Okay, (laughs) fine. I get it.
0: (laughs) The hype, the hype, it definitely lives up to the hype. I'll I'll tell you that. But Um, I will say this. I was pissed off when uh, Disneyland
1: changed um, Tower of Terror to Guardians of the Galaxy. Until Even I were a Marvel
0: it. fan, yeah, <laughs> right.
1: And then I wrote it, and I was like, and then I wrote it four times so I could hear the four different. There's six different soundtracks, yeah, and I've heard four though. I have to go back because I got to hear the other two songs. But it is so much fun.
0: I think it's the common the common reaction to it. Everyone who's a Tower of Terror fan when that changed was like, ugh, how could they do this? And then they ride it, and they're like, I can deal with this. This is good. I,
1: I could, this this is fine. This is I I see what you I can see, and I've now come to. Um, I try my best not to do that. I try yeah. my best when Disney says they're going to do something. I go, you know what? Let me, before I judge, let me see. Yeah. Cause I'm, I've been wrong so many times. Let me just see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're not alone. Um, I used to be the same way. And, then like you now, I just, and I tell everybody right. the same go, thing. You know, I'm going to wait. Like, let me
1: just, yeah, let me wait. I'll wait. I'll, I'll judge after I ride it.
0: Right. Exactly. And then it's totally, even if you look at it in a video, when you ride it in a person, it's just very different. It's a whole different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last. Lightning Round, which doesn't have anything to do with Disney, but only a little bit, is do you have a favorite Broadway musical?
1: Oh, I have a few. Um, Again, I can't just have one. Of Um, course. uh, Dream Girls was the musical that made me just want to do it because I wanted to play this one particular role, James James Thunder early, the Eddie Murphy role that he played in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw it when I was a kid. And then uh, Sweeney Todd I remember being told about Sweetie Todd and not quite understanding. And then I saw the video of Angela Lansbury and um, I can't think of his name, not Lynn carry Not Lynn carry sorry, George, George Hearn. And I saw that and I went, this is probably the perfect musical. It's the, the perfect musical. And um, but I also have my place, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Um, I was uh, the one everybody wants to shoot me before. I, I love um, the Music Man. It is so white. It is, so white. <laughs> but it's still. I can't help it. I'm like, I like it. I I love it. I, when nobody when when nobody's looking, and I'm yeah. in my car, I am singing that to the top of my lungs. <laughs> like, um, and Aladdin will always have the most special place in my heart. Yeah. Forever, because for it to be one of my favorite cartoons. And then you get to see the musical and watch it be built. So those, 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 those are my, those are my top ones. Awesome. Choices. I have others, but those
0: are the top ones I can think about. Awesome right choices. Um, I haven't seen a lot of Broadway shows. Um, Aladdin is up there though, for sure. Um, my all time favorite is actually Les Mis.
1: Oh God. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't, Yeah. Can hate it. You can't hate Les Mis.
0: Yeah. And I've only seen it once and that was actually in London, which was very different and very cool to see it there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Like I said, I did want to ask about... uh, I'm glad we ran through some some of these questions because I think it's a lot of fun for... To ask a Disney fan what they what they love the most, uh, gives you a feel for what type of Disney fan you are. So when it comes to giving advice, because there are people listening who I know want to perform either either on stage or as a voice actor or on TV, what advice would you offer? You've been doing this your whole career, and then even be before that. So you know, how can someone make that a reality and and make a living doing it?
1: I would say start making it a reality. I was like, if this is what you want to do, you have to start doing it. So, you know, find places to act, find places to sing and dance. You know, is there a community theater in your in your area? Is there a church in your area that does, you know, does performances? Is there, And I don't mean like, you know, just perform for church. But I'm like if you go to a church and they have like pageants or whatever, you know, be a part of it. Is there an improv group around or go to the, in your next community? Is there some form of place where there's theater, a drama group, an improv group, something, a dance class? Get into it so you can just start doing it as far as just to, you know, get your feet wet and go go to school for it. I went to college for this, um, you know, and then make that be what you want as far as like voice acting. Um, you can go on the Internet now and find a voiceover classes, voiceover teachers. Um, if you have any kind of magazines, comic books, books, practice reading those things in front of the mirror so you can hear yourself and also see what you look like. So, you know, so it's OK to look weird because you will when you're reading. You just look weird because you make all kinds of faces. But. You know, read out loud so you can hear what it sounds like. So you can know the rhythms of how words work, of how sentences work, of how how you tell a story, what makes a story interesting. I would say the best way to do it is to do it and also believe in yourself that you can do it And, and surround yourself with folks who are honest enough to tell you if one person says you're good. You might be good if two people say you're good you might be good if three people say you're good you know you might actually be good because three people have said hey this guy or this person is good at this right so surround your, cause it because it's going to be hard so surround yourself with positive energy because it might take a while i wanted to do voiceovers for days and i didn't get to start doing it until i was in my 30s you know really so um it took it, t- it took a minute for people to know who you are so and it also did that same thing with performing. It takes it takes time for you to get good enough that people go, that's the person we want to hire. That doesn't mean you're not good. It just means there's a certain level you're trying to get to. But you have to do it yeah. in order to be good. So you have to be on stage. You have to you have to dance. You have to sing. You have to act. You have to do it in order to be good. So I, that's what I say. I say, I say it's, you know, get out there and, and do it. But also have ego enough to say, I'm damn good at what I do, because if you think you are, other people will think you are as well.
0: That's great advice. You need to be confident in what you do, um, and I love the idea of just doing it. That's it's not. Uh, I found that that's like the the real key. And people say the hardest part is getting started, and it's just yeah. doing it.
1: It's just going out there and going, okay, I'm an audition. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in the show. I'm just gonna. And even if, what's funny is there are no. I know people say those small small roles. It's I, I was in the chorus for years. But I was learning from those who were in the principal roles. Right. So I knew one what to do and also what not to do. <laughs> you know, watching watching conceited divas will teach you a lot about you know. I don't want to do that. I don't want to get. <laughs> I don't want to treat people like that. Let me let me let me be nice to folks, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's great. Excellent advice. And for anyone who wants to follow you, either on social media or anywhere else, where can they go? Of course, I'll plug it all in the show notes, but where can they go to follow sure. you?
1: Uh, j- uh, on, um, on Instagram, it's, uh, it's I think it's uh, JMI, uh, on, at JMI, and, on, and on, on Twitter, it's at James M. Iglehart. Uh, you can follow me there. I usually am doing something stupid or ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> if you get a chance to come out to see Hamilton, I'm there I'm there at Hamilton. I'm, I am on Netflix as far as like Kimmy Schmidt and the show called Maniac. And you can find me at Marvel Comics, you know. So look for me everywhere. Just Google my name. I'll be someplace.
0: Absolutely. I think we need to go back. My wife and I need to go back and see Hamilton again, especially since Please. it's gotten a little bit. Uh, the prices are not as bad as they once were. <laughs> no, they're not they were they were not uh we did not see the original cast for that reason we did see like i said with you in 2017 it was not that bad it was a little bit of a stretch and now i think they're just perfectly priced for what it is
1: but the great the great thing is you 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 know you'll be able to see the original cast uh, very soon next year and, and on right. disney plus probably
0: that's right that's that's uh that's i'm really looking forward to seeing that but uh, yeah, it's it's really it's actually really good it's yeah. really really good um yeah it's gonna be amazing But James, thanks so much for talking with me today, geeking out about Disney and Marvel. And uh, uh, it's been such a, a pleasure having you on the show.
1: I've had a wonderful time, Matt. Thank you.
0: with that, we close out episode 71 of the Imagineer podcast. I want to give a very special thank you once again to James for coming onto the show. It was truly a blast getting the chance to chat with him because he is such a big Disney fan at heart and has done so much for the world of Disney. It was definitely a pleasure getting the chance to talk to him. I, of course, want to turn the conversation over to you of all of the roles that James has played across Broadway, Disney+, Disney Channel, Marvel, and beyond, what is your favorite James Monroe Iglehart role? You can send me your feedback, as always, in so many different ways. You can reach out to me on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Imagineer Podcast. Feel free to send me a direct message there or post about it, even in your stories or in a feed post on Instagram or Facebook. You can also talk about it on Twitter and tag me at Imagineer News. And I would encourage you to join our Facebook group, The Imagination, also called the Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community, to converse about this and other Disney topics, not just with me, but with other members of the Imagineer Podcast community. You can also follow me on TikTok, TikTok and LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast in case you would like to post a video or a post about it there. And you can also, of course, email me at imagineerpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't already subscribe to Imagineer Podcast, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Whether you're listening in the Apple Podcast Store, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, any other podcast app out there. Hitting the subscribe button, make sure you are the first to know when new podcast episodes become available. And if you have a minute available, go ahead and leave us a rating and a review in the Apple Podcast Store. We have about 300 five-star reviews, thanks to all of you. And it has certainly encouraged me to continue to push the envelope in making Imagine Your Podcast an even better place for all of you. And if you'd like to take your love of Imagineer Podcast one step further, definitely look into the Imagineer Society by going to patreon.com slash Imagineer Podcast. Essentially, all the proceeds go to support the show, but it's not just a donation. In return, you get special perks, rewards, early access to podcast episodes, and so much more. We have recently revamped Imagineer Society to include even more rewards. Even if you just donate a dollar a month, That's $12 a year. It goes so very far to help Imagineer podcast and again, gets you some extra special perks and rewards for even just a dollar a month. I wanna give a special thanks to a few new Imagineer Society members, um, particularly Stacy Cullen and Thomas Nitsen. Thank you both so much for joining our Sorcerer tier of Imagineer Society. Again, that does so very much to help us continue to grow this community. One of the best things you can do for the show though, of course, is to go ahead and share it. Whether you share out this episode with James or any other episode of the show, or just share out our social media content to any of your social media pages in a story or a post, or just talk about it with your friends, every share goes very far in helping to grow this community. And thanks to all of you who continue to share the word about Imagineer podcast each and every week. I also want to give a special shout out as always to our partners. First, The Kingdom Insider, be sure to follow Christy at the Kingdom Insider on Facebook and Instagram and beyond. You can also reach out at uh, the KingdomInsider.com. Christy is a reliable source of Disney news. She herself is a huge Disney fan and historian, knows so much about the Walt Disney Company, and frequently goes to media events and travels to Walt Disney World to see what's happening in the world of Disney. She goes a lot more than I get the opportunity to and is a great source of information, so check her out at The Kingdom Insider. And if you're planning a trip to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Alani Adventures by Disney, or any other Disney destination around the world, check out our partner, Academy Travel. They are a diamond earmarked uh, travel agency that is recognized by Disney as one of the top travel agencies in the world. Uh, that's because they provide so much service to all people who are coming to book a vacation. They've been doing this for 25 years, really know what they're doing and have a lot of years of experience and expertise to plan your next Disney trip. It's all free to you, it costs nothing extra um, and they can provide a great level of service. And to let them know that Imagineer Podcast sent you, just click on any of the links in the show notes in the description of this episode to request a free quote, no obligation, and they can get you started on your next Disney vacation. Lastly, and most importantly, remember as always to go after your dreams, no matter what they are and put in the effort, like I talked about with James and like he recommended, just get started, take that first step to make that dream a reality. Remember as always that quote from Horizons, if you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast. It must be nice, it must be nice to have Washington on your side. It must be nice, it must be nice to have Washington on your side. Look back at the Bill of Rights. Which I wrote. The ink hasn't dried. It must be nice, it must be nice to have Washington on your
1: side.